Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Welcome to Afternoons with me, Bill Arnold. I'm going to uh, love this hour. Dr. Alex McFarland is going to be joining me in just a little bit. And then uh, Randy Newman is going to be coming on the program. He's got a really wonderful, concise way of presenting the gospel. He's given us four points, and you just need need to keep those in your mind as a framework when you're sharing your faith. Don't overload people with information, but uh, keep these points in your brain, and you will feel much more confident uh, sharing your faith. And Randy says that he's always pretty nervous when he does it. So this is a guy who uh, writes books on evangelism, and he's still nervous when he does it. So you always uh, continue to do God's work, even if you sometimes feel nervous about it. You just trust that God will be there and and help you through it. All right, let's take uh, our mandatory 60 seconds and then bring on Alex. Connecting faith to life life every day. That's the focus of Faith Radio. I'm Station Manager Neil Stapleton. If through your prayer and financial partnership, this listener-supported ministry is reaching more and more people daily with the hope of the gospel and helping to apply biblical truth to everyday life. So for all of you who have resolved to stand with us, regardless of the amount or method, thank you. And get the new year started with your gift today at MyFaithRadio.com. Living in the hope of Christ's resurrection. Where is your sting? Radio. All right, that walk-up music is for none other than Dr. Alex McFarland. He's a apologist and an author, evangelist, and he's a religion and culture expert, and he's always advocating for biblical truth. Alex, welcome to the show. Oh, it's good to be with you, Bill. How have you been, my I've, friend? I've been well, thank you. You know, and I was talking about, uh, you know, Randy Newman, my next guest, having fear and anxiety about uh, presenting the gospel, you know, because he goes, I just get nervous doing it. But I remember you in high school were scared to death to be in front of people. Oh, my word, yes. In fact, I uh, told told you the story one time that I had to go to summer school <laughs> to graduate high school because I would not get up in front of my GT English class and give a speech. <laughs> and, and, uh, so that's at you know, summer I, school. Uh, yeah, and so um, I consented to be in this class. I was, I was not a good student. I was not a Christian yet, and I didn't understand the principle of viewing life in terms of stewardship. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've often wished, Bill, that I could go back and do high school over again, because I, I could probably actually make good grades. But you know, I was not a believer, and so I was asked to be in this accelerated English class, and I said, yeah, sure, whatever, because I kind of had a crush on the teacher. And, uh, <laughs> I, you know, I'm, I'm sure every 40-year-old high school teacher with a master's degree is passionately interested in some, you know, 18-year-old loser. But uh, so 
anyway, a part of the grade is to get up and give a speech. And I was like, no, I'm not going to do that. And everybody went but me, and the teacher was like, hey, look, you got to do this. And I said, no, I, I'm not going to give a speech. I, I don't want to do that. She was like, well, it's one-third of your grade, and if you don't do it, you're not going to pass English. And I was like, yeah, okay, whatever. And she said, yeah, well, if you don't pass 12th grade English, you're not going to uh, graduate. And I was like, oh, okay, so what do I do? So they let me walk, but I didn't get my diploma till I went to summer school. And um, anyway, the point of the story is if somebody had said, uh, you're going to be a minister, an evangelist, apologist, and you know, three to four nights a week for the next 20-some years, you're going to stand up in front of total strangers and do open mic Q&A. <laughs> you know, I would have been mortified. But, you know, when you when Jesus comes into your life, he gives you a new set of priorities and some things to be passionate about. And part of being a Christian, I guess, is to get out of the comfort zone sometimes, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Alex, and talk about just the whole idea of being obedient, even if you don't feel it, because— if you sit around and go, well, when God gives me this feeling that I that I have confidence to share my faith, that's when I'll do it. Yeah, you know, uh, we are called to obey. Mm-hmm. And um, it, one of the beautiful things about Christianity is, you know, that where we stand with the Lord is not based on feelings that change. And, you know, all of us can be very mercurial at different times. I mean, we're hot and we're cold, we're up and we're down. And, you know, a beautiful thing about a Christian being a a born-again believer is that we base our identity on the Word of God, which never does change. Um, I love 1 John 5.13, not the Gospel of John, but, you know, there's 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. 1st John 5, verse 13 says, These things were written to you who believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. And it's interesting that word know, K-N-O-W, is the word from which we get uh, the word certainty, certitude, you know, with confident assurance. And, um, you know, I will say this, that whenever God is really calling me to get out of my comfort zone, which is like pretty regularly, um, you just, you trust it's in his power. You know, when, when the Lord told Paul, my grace is sufficient for thee. Um, it's grace to endure pain. It's grace to rise to a challenge beyond ourselves. And and His grace really is sufficient. Um, I, I'm sure you've had to go through things, too, that at the time um, you didn't think you could do it. And, of course, in and of ourselves we can't, but mm-hmm. through Christ we, we can do all things. Um, I, you know, Philippians 4.13 is more than just a great slogan on a refrigerator magnet. You know, we really can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. Mm-hmm. So let's say you're on a plane and the person next to you asks you what you do and you say, you're, you know, you're a Christian apologist and author and speaker. And, and they say, yeah, I, I'm a Christian. And what's the next question that you might ask to explore their statement about Christianity? Because a lot of people say they're Christians, but they're not. That's true. That's true. Do you know what? I um I love to... To have these airplane conversations, and um, you know, I realize nowadays, you know, um, sometimes people are kind of like a little reluctant to start opening up to a total stranger. That's why one of the things that I I do when I'm you know traveling, I try to have my spiritual antenna up, and I try to you know ask the Holy Spirit to really give me discernment. 
and, you know, to give me favor with people. And so I, I think one of the keys to being a witness and being an evangelism is prayer. And I, I want to get to your question, but first let me let me encourage people to read a book by Bill Bright. Bill Bright uh, was the founder of Campus Crusade. He's with the Lord. I, I suppose Bill Bright has been gone a decade at least, but he wrote a book called Witnessing Without Fear. And Bill, that book was really huge in my young Christian life because Bill Bright said this, um, success in witnessing is sharing Jesus in the power and the leading of the Holy Spirit, but leaving the results up to God. And some Campus Crusaders out there that maybe have read that book, you're going to remember that definition because it's pretty famous. But Bill Bright said, success in witnessing is sharing Christ in the power and the leading of the Holy Spirit and leaving the results up to God. So, you know, I've I've seen a lot of people accept Christ, and I give God the glory. But you don't have to feel this burden that, that we have to save anybody. We sow the seeds. The Holy Spirit is watering those seeds. And uh, sometimes people open up and accept Christ, and other times maybe our our job for the day is to nudge them a little closer to Jesus. But, you know, Rambo evangelism, total stranger on an airplane, you know, I'll often sit down and, you know, some way or another I, I look for an opportunity to make conversation like, um, you know, it's good the plane's leaving on time. You, you headed home or, you know, my name's Alex. What's yours? You know, so mm-hmm. you, by some way, start some conversation going. Invariably, people will ask, what kind of work do you do? And I I love to, you know, say um, I'm interested in people's work, which I am. And very often, somebody's vocation is a great way to start conversation. And then it, they'll ask, you know, what do you do? And and I'll say, well, I, I I write and speak on Christian apologetics. And once in a while, you know, people will say, oh, my goodness, I love Ravi Zacharias or I oh, love Josh yeah. McDowell or, you know. But let's say somebody's not a Christian. And here's the way I, I talk to people. I'll say, you know, um, I, I've interviewed lots of people. I love to kind of understand where people are coming from. Um, do you have any spiritual beliefs? And they'll say, yes, you know, this, that, or the other, be a good person. And I'll say, um, you know, what does it take for a person to go to heaven after they die? And they may say, well, oh, I don't believe there is a heaven. Or they may say, well, try to be a good person. Or you never know what they'll say. Right. And then here's the key question that I'll sort of turn the conversation. I'll say, what is, what is your authority for that belief? And they might say, what do you mean? I'm like, well, you know, your your basis for believing that. Um, and they they might say, well, I don't know. That's just what we've always believed. Or, or I had a scout leader that I really respected, and he was an agnostic, but he was a good person. And so I just have always looked up to him, and that's what he told me. I mean, so help people understand that there are endless opinions but what we need is really solid, objective truth. So I'll say, you know, what's your authority for believing that? And and I'll say, hey, I'm just curious. Um, if, if you were wrong, would you want to know? Because any of us could have an opinion about something, you know, but the question is, uh, is it really true? And on something just like a diagnosis, if if our doctor was wrong 
on a diagnosis, we would really want to know so that we could get healed in time. Uh, in fact, I've got a, a very dear friend right now that's in cancer treatment because his doctor made a wrong diagnosis. And whether or not this man is going to live is debatable because um, the oncologist he has now says, if we had known this a year earlier, there's no question we could save your life. Wow. So, so you know, when it comes to something like the diagnosis of the state of our soul, you know, it, it really is important that we've got the right answer. And so, you know, I'll try to say, what is your authority for that? Could I, if, if I could have permission in just three minutes, could I share what is really something above and beyond any of our opinions? In fact, I believe with all my heart is it's objectively true, and that's the assessment of the Bible and the assessment of Jesus. Yeah. Alex, and, uh, yeah, I would love to uh, actually hear those three minutes, but let me take a little break, yeah. and when we come back, Dr. Sure, Alex sure. McFarland will be our guest as he is right now. We'll be right back. show. Dr. Alex McFarland is my guest, and uh, I love that we're kind of talking about evangelism today, subject I love talking about, and we're going to continue uh, after Alex with uh, Randy Newman. But um, Alex, so you get this little window of three minutes, and you're going to talk about faith, and you're going to give them something to chew on. What might you say in three minutes? Uh, well, if they've given me permission to continue talking, and I'll say, look, you know, we've all got our opinions, but but I really want to show you something. Uh, this is what God's Word says about our our eternity. And, you know, I, I'll often say this. I don't unpack this statement. They'll say, you know, here's the Bible, a, a book shown to be inspired by compelling lines of evidence, history, archaeology, not, not the least of which is the affirmation of Jesus, the only man that ever rose from the dead. So could we look at the Bible, and just for the sake of this conversation, would you trust that the Bible really is uh, a trustworthy source, the, the Word of God? And, and you know, I've got kind of unfair advantage because I'll often say that, you know, hey, it's been my privilege to write 18 books on this. I've studied this subject for 30 years, and I'm telling you the Bible is the most trustworthy book in, in history. Now, you know, that's that's just me, but what I'm trying to do, especially with like a a 21st century skeptic is is get them to accept that the Bible is trustworthy, and then let's look at the content. I said, but regardless of what you think or, or might not think about the Bible, let, let's just look at a couple of verses, and you, you tell me if it, if it has the ring of truth, all right? Romans 3.23, all have sinned. You know, you and me, we're, we're all sinners. I mean, we've all known the right, and we've done the wrong. Mm. And then Romans six twenty three, the wages of sin is death. I'll say, you, you tell me, sir, that you, you, know, you work at a car dealership. Every two weeks you get a wage. Well, at the end of our life, we get a paycheck too, a wage. And the result of a life of sin 
and unless it's resolved by Jesus, the, the payoff, the wages of sin is death. And uh, how sad it would be if the story ended there. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And I'll, I'll often look people in the eye and I'll say, have you ever wondered how much God really loves you? And some people will say, well, I guess I guess he does. I don't know. Other people might say, well, my life's been really hard. I don't know that God loves me. I'll say, well, let me show you one more verse, Romans 5, 8. So, and I, I hope everybody listening, Bill, I really hope everybody's listening to this because, look, you can be a witness. If a introverted, shy, socially backward kid like me could become a witness, anybody can. But Romans 3.23, we've all sinned. Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus. Then you go back to Romans 5, verse 8. It says, God demonstrated his love in that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. And I'll say, listen, let me give you an illustration. True story. I got pulled over for a ticket, not wearing my seatbelt, 168.50, honest engine. I was on Interstate 40 in western North Carolina. So I call up to pay the ticket. You can go to court or you can pay with a credit card. I call the number. The lady, we entered the number like three times. She said, your ticket's been paid. And and anyway, I'm abbreviating this story, but true story. She goes, your ticket's been paid. And here's what she said. She said, look, sir, I can take your credit card. You can pay this 168.50. You can pay your ticket, or you can accept that the ticket has been paid for you. Will you accept? I said, yeah. And I, I said to people, I said, look, you could pay for your own sins, but that would mean separation from God forever. Or you can accept that Jesus paid it for you. Jesus paid your ticket. And how do you receive that? Romans ten thirteen says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And then I'll say, you know, does, does this express kind of where your heart is right now? Lord, I, I want to know you. And I want to know that my sins are resolved, forgiven. And I do believe that you love me. I believe that you died on the cross for the world, yes, but for me. And, Lord, I'm asking you, I'm trusting who you are and what you did, and I'm asking you to forgive my sins. And I want to have peace in my soul. And and I'll ask people, I'll say, does that kind of express where you're at? I mean, heaven forbid if this plane went down or... You know, we're all going to die. I mean, and, and I tell people, I'll say, look, as a pastor and in the ministry, you know, in 25 years, I've done dozens of funerals, funerals of people that were young and died of a brain aneurysm, totally unexpected. I've done all kinds of car wrecks, you name it. We're all going to die. The wisest thing we could ever do is to make sure that we're prepared to die. And God wants you to be prepared. And uh, Bill, let me tell you this. It's funny. I was in um, Little Rock, Arkansas. And uh, so I'm at this hotel, and the guy at the desk clerk that I saw over the course of a couple of days was um, of Indian descent. And uh, I began to share the gospel. And uh, he said to me, he said, you know, I've actually prayed, God, reveal yourself. God, if you exist, reveal yourself. But he never does. And I said, well, I'm not much, but he sent you a Baptist preacher. <laughs> and, and he laughed, and he said, oh, my gosh, you're right. And I said, 
hey, you know, ask me anything. We ended up talking for hours, uh, led this guy to Christ. But I want to say this. Everybody listening, every Christian out there, lawyer, doctor, business person, you know, homemaker, mom, you know, it doesn't matter who your grandmother, every last one of us can be a witness, uh, a witness for Jesus. And Bill, I'm so thrilled. I was listening to you on the break. I'm so thrilled that you're into evangelism because um, let let me say this, and and then I want to pick your brain on one thing, but in sales, they talk about a four base sale. And I know this is not sales. It's the, the ministry of Jesus, but in a way, there's a similarity. In a four-base sale, you present, you explain, you respond to questions, and then you ask for the order. So present the gospel. You know, God loves you. Christ died for you. Explain it. Look, we're all sinners, but God loves us. And somebody might say, somebody says, well, hey, you know, I'm not that bad of a guy. I mean, I've never robbed a bank or anything. Yeah, I get it. But compared to Jesus, we all fall short. You know, you you might not quite be Mother Teresa, and you might not be as bad as Adolf Hitler, but compared to Jesus, we've all fallen short. And the standard for heaven is not Billy Graham or Mother Teresa, it's Jesus. And compared to Jesus, we all fall short, and we need forgiveness. And uh, so, you know, in, in sharing the gospel, you present, explain, field objections, but then ask for the order. And and by that, I mean, ask people to say, look, would you like to pray right now? And it, it's not joining a church. It's not trying to reform yourself. But you you simply, like the Word of God says, if you call on the name of the Lord, and I'll help you. If I, if I lead in a prayer, uh, let's just pray together. And if this is you know, where you're at, sincerely from your heart to God, pray this prayer and mean it, you know, dear Lord Jesus, and you lead in the prayer. And I, I think you'll be amazed, folks. When I was a new believer, and again, just as shy as could be, but I began to share the gospel with people. And I would ask, you know, would you like to accept Christ right here? And you'll know right now. So, sometimes people are going to say, no, no, I'm not ready. And that's okay. But you would be amazed, folks. You would be amazed how many people will say, yes, I would like to pray, um, because people are going through you know, what I call the crucible of life's experiences, um, a death of a friend or some stress or whatever, and the, the Holy Spirit of God will orchestrate these meetings, and it's no accident that you're talking to people about spiritual things. And, yeah, there are going to be people that, you know, kind of slam the door shut on you, uh, shall we say. Mm-hmm. But you'll be amazed. You, you would be amazed how many people are ready to hear about Christ if only somebody would explain it. Yeah. Alex, I learned so much when you come on the program. Thank you for uh, doing the show today, and I hope you have a wonderful weekend. I want to challenge your listeners. Lead somebody to Christ in 2020. Let's Amen. do this. Amen. Alex McFarland has been my guest you can head over to alexmcfarland.com. We'll take a short break and be back with Randy Newman. Late on Faith Radio. Lord have mercy. 
I'm always happy to welcome back to the program Randy Newman. He's uh, served in campus ministry for 30-plus years and teaches at uh, several uh, evangelical seminaries. And he's also the senior teaching fellow with the C.S. Lewis Institute in Washington, D.C. Uh, the last book he wrote, I, we talked to him about, was called Unlikely Converts, Improbable Stories of Faith and What They Teach Us About Evangelism. But I always love... Uh, when I can be coached and encouraged when it comes to evangelism. And this is what I love when Randy comes on the show, because he always does that. Randy, welcome back. Oh, thanks. It's great to be with you. Now, you have put a podcast up on the C.S. Lewis Institute, which is kind of a nice, concise way to do evangelism. Well, yeah, this is a new thing for us, but we're very excited about it. We're uh, doing several different aspects of a podcast. Sometimes I interview people. Sometimes we... Uh, draw upon some of our audio from the past, and a good maybe a third of the time, I just offer a five-minute short encouragement about evangelism. And I've listened to several of them, and they're great, so I want to encourage all my listeners, after you've listened to every one of my podcasts, to go listen to Randy. <laughs> I think that's a good plan. Well, I, I mean, come on. i gotta got to do things in the right order here. But um, <laughs> you have done really a nice job on this um, podcast, and it's only five minutes, so I encourage people to listen to it as you even explain it. But there are four points, four things to keep in mind. Now, let's not overload people with information, huh? Yeah, I think um, one of the, well, evangelism is very difficult for the vast majority of Christians, and, and we're, I don't think it's ever going to be easy, but I do want to try to offer some ideas to help people so that it's slightly less difficult. And one of the obstacles very often is people think, oh, there's so much theology, there's so many things I could say, I don't, I don't know how to make it concise. And uh, what I offered on this one podcast, and I'll, I'll just do it right here, is that really all we really need to communicate in a gospel presentation are some things about God, some things about people, some things about Jesus, and some things about a response. God, people, Jesus, response. And there's a million things we could say about each of those, mm -hmm. but I, I think for a gospel presentation, we only need to say two things in each of those categories. So, and, and I think if people can have this outline in their mind, it's okay, I've communicated this and this, but I haven't communicated this. So, uh, very briefly, uh, we want to communicate to people that God is both holy and loving, that people are created in God's image but sinful. Jesus died and rose again, and we all need a response with repentance and faith. So, it's four big points, two sub-points each, eight points altogether. Um, I, I think that's relatively easy to memorize. Um, and And... Sure, we, we can still use booklets and tracts and diagrams and all that, but a lot of times just a face-to-face -face conversation may be a much more effective and uh, personable one, a way of communicating. Yeah. Now, Randy, can I ask you some follow-up questions and hopefully not annoy you? Sure. Okay, good. When you say God is both holy and loving, those are, those are kind of uh, powerful words. Um, holy is what and loving means that he accepts me and my lifestyle and everything, right? Well, so every one of these points 
needs unpacking and explanation. Uh, for different people, different points, they'll already understand and they'll have an understanding of the way we want them to understand. I mean, for some and for many people, they'll have, oh, no, no, wait a minute, you're totally misunderstanding. So I, I do realize that each of these eight points could be an hour-long conversation in and of themselves. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. I, I, I think that's great. Um, so those kind of conversations should happen. So God, what does it mean that God is holy? I do realize that's an alien concept for a lot of people in our world. Um, so I try to explain it that um, we do have a standard of what is right and wrong, and God is the ultimate standard of rightness. Mm -hmm. And then I'll, I'll elaborate, and I'll, I'll introduce them to the word of righteousness. But people understand about right and wrong. And, and again, for some people, you've got to really press this, and some people say, well, there really is no such thing as right and wrong, and then you want to try to press it of, well, you know, if I stood up right now and threw a cold water in your face, you'd probably think that's wrong, wouldn't you? You know, I mean, you have, some of these things you have to work at. Uh, the idea about loving, again, yes, some people might think, oh, that means, that, you know, they approve everything. And then, uh, no, a loving person cares about the other person. A loving parent cares about their child. And so a loving parent doesn't say, oh, I'll just let my child do whatever they want. No, because children sometimes do foolish things that really hurt them. And so we want to look at human love and parental love for a child as a picture of God's love for us. And that, th those are images that the Scripture uses, so uh, it's not, we're not going beyond the Scripture's approach to things. Mm -hmm. So can I also ask, or the response is often, if God is holy and loving, is he good and can he be trusted? Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, if people are asking those kind of questions, I'm thrilled because oh, that means they're no. Those are good questions. And if people if people are asking hard questions, I think a lot of Christians sometimes get get frustrated by that and uh, or 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 struggles like oh, I mean, I just want to kind of like answer these things as quickly as possible. Well, no. If people are asking questions like that, that means you're really stimulating their thinking. So a lot of times I'll want to say, oh, that that's really good. I like that and. And and I think it's also okay for us to very quickly admit, you know, I'm, I, I don't know if I'm going to be able to totally answer that question now. I I got to think about that, mm -hmm. but let me try. So, so what you said is is God good, and can we trust Him? Um, yes, I think. Um, again, if someone's asking that question, I want to say, well, uh, I understand why you're asking that question. There are a lot of things that happen in the world that are really disturbing and upsetting, and I, I, I certainly don't want to minimize those. Um, but I, I think, uh, yes, we can trust God, and, and the, the, the reason why I say that is because of Jesus. So in other words, you're, you're allowing their question to propel you forward in your gospel presentation. If you're trying to move from God, people... Jesus' response, that question about the goodness of God pushes me to Jesus. Look at, look at who Jesus was, what he said, he claimed to be God, and so we look to him, and he affirms that God is indeed good. And yes, there are struggles and problems, and uh, when there are difficult things that happen, or if we have had terrible things happen to us, um, that does make us wrestle um, but but 
any attempt to answer any of these questions will have difficulties. I happen to think that the Christian answers are far better than the other ones. They still have difficulties to them. Oh, yeah. um, but I think the, the difficult, the, the Christian answer to the difficult questions is better than all the others out there. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you have people that come up with the problem of suffering and evil, and you know, they, they have issues with that and problems with that regarding God. And I always kind of think, well, take God out of the equation, and there's still suffering and evil. So you mm-hmm. you still got problems. <laughs> oh yeah, and in fact, in fact, if you take God out of the equation, it's a whole lot worse. Oh, way worse. Um, so, so the atheistic answer or response about evil and suffering is far less helpful and far less uh, meaningful than the Christian answer. But I, I'm always very quick. Well, by the way, I. Um, the problem of the evil and suffering, it, it's going to come up a lot. It, it, it always has. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it makes sense when people ask that question. It means that they're in touch with reality. <laughs> and so there are a lot of terrible things that happen in our world. And we, uh, we do a terrible disservice to people if we dismiss that as if that's not important. It's tremendously important. Um, and, and I want to try to agree with people as much as possible of, yeah, I, I struggle with this too. When I read uh, stories or I hear things in the news about rape and, and attack and murder and, and uh, terrorism, it's very disturbing. So I, I want to try to agree with them. And then I want to say, so how, so how do we deal with this? Um, there's really only been a handful of different ways people have tried to wrestle with the problem of evil. And the, there's a Christian way. There's an atheist way. There's a sort of a sort of a, a Eastern mysticism kind of way that says it's really just an illusion. Or so you you know there's four or five different ways. Um, uh, what we want is we want to have an understanding that helps us number one understand it as much as possible. Number two, um, have have a source of strength and power to to handle these difficulties. So we have to evaluate these different things of how well do they explain things and how well do they help us deal with them. And the Christian way, I think, is far better than the atheist way um, and better than the other ways. It still has some struggles to it. I mean, as a Christian, I still wrestle with this issue. Um, But I remember when I wasn't a Christian and I was sort of an absurdist and just thought life was ridiculous and meaningless, I think, man, that was... That was no help whatsoever when terrible <laughs> things happen. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so uh, when we hear about um, uh, people we know who have died who are Christians, well, it's still sad and it's difficult, but what a great comfort of knowing that even in the midst of pain and suffering and death, there's eternal life that God grants us as a gift if we receive it and if we repent and receive it in faith. Uh, so a funeral, the loss of a loved one who maybe even died very young, can still have an element of hope and strength in it that an atheist or a humanist view doesn't, doesn't have any of that kind of strength. Yeah, that hope is so unbelievably comforting when the time comes when you've lost a loved one. Mm-hmm. And it just comes alive in your heart that, well, of course they're in the presence of the Lord, and I will see them again throughout all of eternity. Yep. 
I remember sitting at a funeral uh, many years ago, uh, another guy who was a campus minister on the same campus when I, where I was, and he was in his late 30s. I mean, he was not, not old at all. And he died of cancer. It was just so sad. And, you know, two little children. And we were at the funeral. I was sitting next to a Christian professor I knew from our campus ministry. And he and his wife and, um, and me, I mean, we just wept all the way through the funeral. And when it was all over, um, we looked at each other, and he said to me, the gospel is good news, isn't it? And it was tremendously good news. I mean, what, what, I mean, and without that good news, my goodness, it's so pointless and, and empty and, ugh, despairing. Mm. Yeah. Randy, let me take a little break. Uh, Randy Newman is my guest. Uh, he's written a number of books and has a lot of great material. And I'll uh, just mention the least of the unlikely converts is his latest book. Improbable Stories of Faith and What They Teach Us About Evangelism. And he's also got a book called Questioning Evangelism. It's all great stuff. Take a short break and be right back. Praise your name from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same. You are my God and all I want to do is praise your name. Welcome back to the show. I'm so glad to be speaking to my friend, Dr. Eric Bargerhoff. Welcome back to the show. Randy Newman is my guest. He's a senior teaching fellow with the C.S. Lewis Institute. And he's given us a nice, giving us a nice little uh, concise way to keep in our heads the four things we should remember when we share the gospel with somebody. And we spent a fair amount of time on the first one, and I think I took us down a little bit of a rabbit hole. Let's get back on track and say uh, the second one, our people are created in the image of God but sinful. Yeah. Uh, see, th- 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 these are the ones that I think may take the most amount of uh, uh, massaging or <laughs> or explaining. Um, so when, usually if I tell people one of the things I believe about people is that we're made in the image of God, people look at me and now what does that mean? And that's exactly what I want them to do. I, I want them to ask that question. So I say, you know, there's something about being a person that is so much different than being a rock or a turtle. And uh, uh, the Bible says that uh, that is that God made us in his image. It means that we're capable of thought, we're capable of communication, we're capable of caring and loving. And, and it means that every single person has dignity and is worthy of respect. And uh, I, I think a lot of people find that very uh, encouraging to hear that kind of clarity because we, we I think I think the vast majority of people think yeah I, I should be respectful for people and people should be treated with honor and dignity um, but there's a whole lot of people who believe that but they don't really have any basis for it you know if they don't believe in God or they don't believe in a personal God or they think that you know everything is relative well then they have no reason why they should have compassion if they hear a story about a, a starving child in, in a place where there's no food or water. Uh, and what we want to say is, no, no, the, the reason why you feel compassion is because you're created in the image of God, and the person that you see on that TV screen or that website is a person made in the image of God. And, and so, so I, I find that to be a way to 
um, help people see how very, very important human beings are. And then it becomes really tragic that we rebel against God and we sin. Um, By the way, at this point, I I want people to feel a tension. Um, There's a tension they should feel when we say that God is both holy and loving. If they think about it for a while, they go, well, if he's holy and he's right and he judges sin, well, then how can he really be loving about sinful people? So there's a tension there. And that people are created in the image of God, so there's something really good about us. But we're sinful. Yeah, we, we, we do things that are terrible. And so now, now I'm feeling a tension within myself about what it means to be a person. And now there's a tension between the first point and the second point. How, how can this good, loving God love someone rebellious and sinful? Um, and, and so we, we want people to feel that tension because only then is the gospel a resolution to that tension. I like that. All right, let's uh, talk about um, Jesus dying and and uh rising again i always go to first corinthians 15 mm-hmm. um for what i received i pass on to you as of first importance that christ died for our sins according to the scriptures that he was buried that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures right so i, I love i love the phrase that he that paul writes uh, i pass on to you what is of of first importance mm-hmm. so, so there is a priority now are there other things we can say about Jesus? Oh, yes, uh, for hours and hours and hours. But um, the emphasis in Scripture is he died, and his death was a sacrificial, atoning payment for sin. That needs lots of explanation. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I mean, people know Jesus died, but they don't really think about it too much. And if they do think, it's like, well, he was, it was really a shame. He was innocent. He was a martyr. They shouldn't have killed him. Yes, okay, we agree. But what we want to say is, but there was something going on there that was really cosmic and big and amazing. And and it is difficult to understand. Um, um, I, I just was reading a part in Mere Christianity again, where he talks about the fact that um, not everything is simple. We want everything to be simple. Um, the idea that God sent his son to atone for our sins. That's, that is amazing, and it's big, and it's rich, and it's complex. It's not convoluted. It's not, it's not confusing, but it's not, it's not tiny. It's not simplistic. Um, and so if it's mind-boggling to people, that's great. That's what we want it to do. We want them to go, wait, wait, how, so wait, wait God paid for sin? Yeah, isn't that crazy? Isn't that amazing? And um, and his resurrection shows that it wasn't just a meaningless political martyrdom. All right, let's uh, move on. And I just want to say, Randy, things are going well. I am going to grant you that 23rd minute. All right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just stay calm. Stay calm, please. Okay. Because you've got our big fourth point that I think okay. is a, a critical one, that everyone yeah. needs to respond with yes. repentance and faith. And, and uh, that is uh, the part that often gets left off, or that's the part that people sometimes hear and they go, okay, great, oh, that's good, so God has taken care of this problem, wonderful, great, i got nothing to worry about. Um, but the Bible is very, very clear, and Jesus uh, emphasizes this quite a bit. Um, we need to respond to what God has done. Um, and the response is, 
oh, I, I need a Savior. I need someone to die, on, die for my sins. I, I'm not okay. And so that's very important for repentance. I'm sorry for what I did. And then faith is I'm going to count on what Jesus did on the cross. I'm going to trust. In him, so very often I I want to unpack the word faith with the word trust. I put my trust, I transfer my trust from myself. So before I'm a, before I was a Christian, I would say, well, I'm I, the reason why I should get into heaven is because I've been a pretty good person. My trust is in myself. When a person becomes a Christian, they transfer their trust to Jesus, and they say, oh, if I'm trusting in myself, I'm in a whole lot of trouble. I'm trusting in what he did. And so that's the response of repentance and faith. Mm -hmm. So do you remember the language that was used with you when you came to faith? Uh, Yes. Um, I I think the first phrase that I heard that, that kind of piqued my interest, that made me go, huh, was... People were talking about a personal relationship with God. That was the phrase. That was pretty popular back in the 1970s. I think it's a good one. And then the other one was the idea of receiving Christ, and I think that's a good phrase. That's from the Gospel of John. Um, I think those were the two phrases um, that were prevalent. Um, I think, by the way, all of these conversations that I had with people, what what they the best things they did was they they propelled me to read the Gospels in the New Testament mm-hmm. and to read the epistles, particularly Romans. And the Bible has this powerful way of being a two-edged sword that cuts through a lot of things and clarifies things. So sometimes I think our job as, evangel- as evangelists or, or in evangelism is to try as much as possible to get people into the scriptures and let the scriptures do the heavy lifting that that only it can do. Mm-hmm. Really good, really um, important. I think that we all have a really solid framework in our mind because you know you talk regularly, Randy, about uh, when you share your faith, it does come along with a little bit of fear of doing it. I mean, it's a big deal to lay out yeah, the gospel. I'm, I'm, I'm not so sure it's a little bit. Somehow it feels bigger and bigger. <laughs> My yeah. fear. Yeah, but um, but but it, it, I'm 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 liberated when I think it doesn't matter how fearful I am. It matters how powerful God is. Exactly, and just to have some really good tools, have these four points uh, in our head that we can just sort of refer back to and and draw our make our points with. I think is uh, really really helpful because. The more equipped you feel, maybe the less anxiety you have about doing it. So that's a big deal. Great. Great. I hope it's helpful. Yeah, it's been very helpful. And I so appreciate you coming on and doing the show. Um, Right before we go, would you mind uh, maybe just a a prayer for the believers who are hearing this program today to just go out and share the gospel? Sure. Yes. Uh, Lord, thank you for the people that you place around us uh, who don't know you. It's no accident. Uh, Some of them we see every day at work or every day in our neighborhood, and some of them we see only once uh, in traveling or uh, in passing. But but would you give us eyes to see them the way you see them? And would you give us uh, boldness and wisdom about how to start conversations? And would you help our confidence to be in you, not in ourselves? 
And would you use these conversations in ways that would make a difference for all eternity? Uh, We pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Randy, thank you so much for doing the show. Always like uh, chatting with you. Thanks again. I look forward to whenever the next one is. That'd be terrific. Randy Newman's been my guest, uh, and his book that 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 he just came out with last year is Unlikely Converts and Improbable Stories of Faith and What They Teach Us About Evangelism. Thank you to all my guests. That wraps up our show for the day and for the week. So, of course, you know what that means. It's time to ring the bell. Have a great weekend, everyone. I'll see you Monday. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.